Let's take a moment in prayer. Lord God, as we come to Your Word, fill us with the light and the love of Christ Jesus so that we are renewed, lifted up, encouraged, focusing on Him who is our eternal hope. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. By the spring of 1933, the Great Depression was in full rage mode. The banking system had collapsed. 25% of the labor force was unemployed. Factories were shut down. Farms, homes were sold. People had barely enough food at all to be able to survive. And fear was running rampant throughout our nation. So in the spring of 1933, when Franklin Delano Roosevelt gave his inaugural address, it contained these very famous words, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. What Roosevelt was doing was trying to shift the people's focus away from the fear which is paralyzing to a future that it was optimistic that actually had hope. Now, it's not too hard, really, to draw parallels from those times to our times right now, although they certainly aren't as dire regarding the workforce. It's bad, isn't it? And certainly, if nothing else, fear is running rampant. I would say fear and despair and even resignation are some of the most prevalent emotions in our nation right now and perhaps around the world. But you know what? It's been interesting for me this past year, the journey that I've been on. I have, actually haven't become more fearful or more discouraged or in despair, actually quite the opposite. I find more than anything that my hope, my optimism has grown. And it has grown because of this, first and foremost, of who Jesus is. That my love for Christ Jesus has grown. And this year, my faith has grown. And so I find myself actually more optimistic and more hopeful than ever. When you focus on Christ Jesus and not yourself, what you find is a peace and a love. Actually, it says in Scripture, John wrote this in 1 John chapter 4, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So tonight, no matter what the techni technology does, right? No matter the circumstances that are out in the world right now, let's take a moment Let's take a moment and focus on Christ Jesus, of being filled with the good news of great joy. So tonight, the message is very simple. Fear not, because there is good news of great, great joy. So let's go to our text. It is from Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, starting with verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So let me ask you, if you were going to announce this wonderful news, and it was during that time in which Jesus was born, who would you pick to announce the news to? I mean, you would think you would want to announce the news to people of great influence, right? Maybe Caesar or Herod, or certainly maybe the Jewish leaders. But God didn't announce it to them right away, did he? He announced it to the shepherds in the field. Now, these shepherds were, you could say, blue-collar workers. They weren't despised necessarily, but they weren't very high up on the social ladder. They were considered pretty low class. But doesn't it seem appropriate, if you take a moment, to think that these should be the ones that received this birth announcement? Because it was in the city of David, Bethlehem. David came from that city and he was called the shepherd king of Israel. And now Jesus, the great shepherd, is to be born that night. And thus the shepherds of the flock out in the field, they first received that birth announcement. You see, God again and again comes to those who are the outcasts, who don't seem to have any social standing to the low, to the humble. And he makes his announcements to them. And he uses them for his good work. Which first and foremost should be good news for all of us. Because most of us are not of high estate at all. So we too, like the shepherds, can hear this birth announcement. Now, when the announcement was given, it says there was an angel, right? An angel keeping, uh, an angel giving that announcement. But it was not an announcement that brought them joy right away. It brought them great, great fear. Because it wasn't just the angel, it was the glory of the Lord that shone around them. And whenever the glory of the Lord shines upon people, the general reaction is fear and trembling, and they were afraid to the very core. So what was announced to them was this, fear not, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Fear not. That's how the announcement starts. And God tells us that again and again and again and again. Fear not. Fear not. That echoing refrain has been moving very powerfully in my life during this time that we are in. Fear not. And God tells us that. Actually, you can go through Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and you hear God again and again assuring us that he is in control. Fear not. Listen, from Genesis chapter 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. 
your reward shall be very great. Isaiah chapter 40, go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Isaiah chapter 43, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. To Daniel, he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. And in Revelation Chapter 1, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. This is the message you and I need to hear, especially during this time. Fear not, fear not. The Lord speaks those words of assurance to the ones he loves. And he loves you. And he has called you by name, saying, fear not. And he doesn't say, he, listen, he doesn't say this. He doesn't say, fear not, do it all on your own. Look to your inner self. Get personally motivated. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. He doesn't say that at all. He says, fix your eyes upon me. Fix your eyes upon the Lord, and fear not. That is the message that was given, that was given to the shepherds, that has been given throughout Scripture, that is given to each one of us tonight. Fear not. You know, as I take a look around right now, all of these candles lit, and it's serene, isn't it? It's just beautiful. And there's a sense of peace here. A sense of being with God. And when you have that, there is no fear. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That word, I, that, that phrase, I bring you good news do you know what? It's actually conveyed in one word in the original language. Just one word says all of that. And a literal translation would be, I announce the gospel to you. Because that's actually what gospel means. Gospel means good news. See, the angels weren't just bringing good news from home. You know how like when you have a family reunion and Uncle Joe's there and you say, Uncle Joe, what's the good news? Or what's the song? It's the hap happiest time of the year. It's not a message of hap happiness of the year. It is much greater than that. The angels are pronouncing good news. They are pronouncing the gospel. 
And because they are pronouncing the gospel, it is one of great joy. Not just a little joy, not just some, but a joy. We sing it, right? Joy to the world. This is the great joy because the gospel has come to the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was a shepherd out in the field that night, it would have stopped me in my tracks. And I would have said, good news, the gospel. What is this good news? And we find what this good news is. It is Christ the Lord. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Oh, there is much, much, much we could dwell on in here. But for now, tonight, I simply want to focus on the phrase Christ the Lord. Because Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. I know we might chuckle at that, but a lot of the world think his last name is Jesus Christ. But Christ is a title. It means the anointed one. It means Messiah. So this is not just a man who was born. This is Christ, the Messiah. The one who came to save Israel. And we would know then he also came to save us, the world. And this is exciting news. And we have somehow grown dull regarding the exciting news of the Messiah. Andrew, Peter's brother, first said to Peter, we have found him, the Messiah, which means Christ. And later, when Jesus was asking his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter, Peter answered them, saying, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. You see, Jesus simply didn't bring the good news. He is the good news. The good news is Christ Jesus, the Lord. So the angels are announcing the good news, the gospel of the glory of God. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. You know, there's a song by George Frederick Handel, and I bet a number of you have listened to it multiple times so far. The Hallelujah Chorus. Right? It is one of those ultimate songs that we often sing during Christmas and also Easter. I don't know how much you know, about, though, about the writing of this song. So let me tell you just a little bit about George Fred Frederick Handel. He was born in Germany in 1685. He was a natural musician from a very early age. And he made his way to England and found his fame and fortune with music. But by the age of 52, the public opinion of him had started to fall off. And soon he found himself deep in debt. 
he became greatly depressed. And in fact, during that time, he even suffered a stroke, which caused temporary paralysis in his right arm and blurred vision with his eyes, which is awful if, if you make your livelihood writing music. But during this time, which was a very hard time of despair for him, he came across the words that were to be used in musical form. And they told the life of Jesus using Scripture only. They told about his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, the resurrection, and finally victory over sin and death. Handel was so inspired by this that he locked himself in his room for 24 days straight. And during those 24 days, he wrote this wonderful opus that we would know as the Messiah. Now, there is a story told that during this particular time, when he was writing the Hallelujah Chorus, his assistant came to the door and he knocked on the door and he banged on the door. And finally, he was let in and he found the composer with tears just running, streaming down his face. And his assistant was very concerned. And he said, what's wrong? And Handel held up the score to the Hallelujah movement and said this, I did see heaven before me and the great God himself. This is the beauty that he found inspired by God. And the Hallelujah Chorus is one of the most uplifting Christian songs that has ever been. As wonderful as that song is, I think that night, heaven really did open. And although it doesn't say that the angels were singing, I believe that this was a choir of the greatest magnitude, the multitude of the heavenly beings singing with the loudest voice. Imagine all of heaven and all of creation singing glory to God in the highest. And what was the glory about? The glory of God was about this child, Emmanuel, God with us. And while we have covered that in depth, what that means during our Advent season, we must never grow faint of heart. We must never grow dull of ear, rejoicing in those words, Emmanuel, God with us. God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, who is infinite, became a man. And he dwelt with us, with you, with me, among us. He suffered with us. He knows our sorrow. God, with us. And when you ponder that, and you understand that, you understand the miracle of Christmas. Emmanuel, 
God with us. Those three words sum up this night. Emmanuel. Now, did the angels know everything about what they were singing? Certainly, they knew Christ Jesus before he became a man, because remember, he is God, and there was never a time when he was not. So the angels would have known of him, and they would have known him and his glory. And they certainly would have known about the fall of mankind and the sin. Did they know the full plan, though, of the glory of God, that this child would grow live a sinless life, and be the Lamb of God who would save the world by taking upon Him our sins. I don't know if they knew that or not, but they knew that this was a glorious moment in all of creation. This was a glorious moment. And so they sang a heavenly hymn of praise, glory to God in the highest. Because through Him, through Christ Jesus, there would come a peace like there would be no other and will be no other peace. And on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. Now this, uh, this song that they sing often gets misused. It just means, and peace on earth. But that's not really the sense of it, is it? It's not just peace on earth. It is peace among those whom he is pleased. See, we often want to take Christmas and water it down into be nice to each other, and we should be nice, right? Christians should be some of the nicest people in the world. We should be gracious. We should be loving. We should be kind. But that's not the message of Christmas. It is one of surpassing peace with whom he is pleased. And what pleases God? Those who have faith in his son, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Peace. See, when we say peace, it does not simply mean a ceasefire from war. It means that there's a true reconciliation between man and between God. Last year, I recounted the story of World War I called the Christmas Truce. If you get a chance, I would encourage you to look that up. Because during the war and how bloody that war was on that Christmas Eve, there was a time when both sides started to sing. And one of the songs they sang was Silent Night. And because of that peace of Christ, for a time, there was a truce. And there was a Christmas Day truce, and there was no war. And people were unified for a brief time. But then the peace went away. And millions of people died. But the peace that you and I are talking about here, the peace that the angels are talking about and singing, 
is one that is everlasting peace. It is a peace and reconciliation with God through him, through this child who would one day go to the cross so that we would have peace. Paul writes this in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 13, starting with, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law and commandments expressed in ordinance that he might create in himself, one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. If you do not know the peace of Christ, now is the night Call upon Him. Know Him as Lord and Savior and receive that that peace. And I guarantee you, you will praise just as the angels have praised. Tonight, let's take this message to heart, shall we? Let's not just have this be another Christmas. Let us take this message, and let us fill our minds, our very souls. And you and I should just hear these words, fear not, fear not, for the good news of the gospel is before you this very night. It's the gospel of the glory of God, which brings us an everlasting peace. It is the gospel given to us in this child His name is Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, the Savior of the world. So, brothers and sisters, take heart, fear not, for your hope is in Christ Jesus. Amen.